0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. You know, we live in a time when life is nonstop. Of course, we all know that that is self-imposed, but many women do not realize they're making that choice. Many believe they must do it all for a variety of reasons, and the more they schedule, the more overwhelmed they become, and then they wonder why everything doesn't get done or doesn't get done well. So how do you stop that madness? Stay tuned to find out. This is your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconstructive healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology therapist at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com energyawareness. My guest, Yvonne Talley, leads meditation and de-stressing programs for corporations, individuals, and private groups in Silicon Valley. An NLP Master Practitioner, Yvonne co-founded Poised Inc., a Pilates and wellness training studio, and is the founder of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Scarves, a charity that provides head scarves to cancer patients. She has been a healthy lifestyle coach for nearly 20 years, and she is also the author of Breaking Up With Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women, which is our topic for discussion. So welcome to the show, Yvonne. Thank you for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being?
0: Oh, thank you, T, for having me, and it's wonderful to be with you.
1: Great. I loved your book because, well, this is just such a hot topic right now, it's It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But why don't you go ahead and start with telling us how you came to write your book, Breaking Up with Busy?
0: Well, I'm like probably most other women who I identify with as the overscheduled woman. And it's kind of ironic what brought me even to this uh, book. And uh, that was I was so busy helping other people to create a vibrant and healthy lifestyle. I was growing my business and raising my daughter as a single mom that I missed my own signs of busy and overscheduled. You know, the fast pace, the sleepless nights. In fact, I would go into work in the morning and oh, have a sense of pride that I had gotten by on four and a half, five hours of sleep. And, you know, the cram schedules, all of that landed me in the hospital emergency room thinking I was having a heart attack when in fact I was having a panic attack brought on by my own stress. And it scared me enough to make some very big lifestyle shifts. And in that moment, when the doctor announced that it was a panic attack, of course I was relieved, but I was also immediately filled with a sense of embarrassment. I thought, you are a fraud. Here you are, an organic (laughs) eating, exercising, positive thinking, meditating, healthy person. And you're here. You missed all of your own signs. And I thought, if this could happen to me, if I could bring this into my life, then there's a bigger story here. And what I found, T, was when I, started to, when I began to share my story with my clients, everything started to bubble to the surface. They, 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 in turn, shared their stories. And I began to see that this was very much a big part of our culture, this get it done, make it perfect, do it again, keep going, do your best. And it just was going on and on and on. And I thought I've got to come up with some solutions first for myself and then to continue to help more people. And here we are, the book.
1: And what a book it is, the perfect timing, you know. Sometimes (laughs) the perfect storm comes up and then you have something that helps you through. Overwhelmed, being too busy, this is the number one issue that comes up in my practice with my female clients it, and you said it before, in today's world, it seems to be the new normal. It's just what's out there. And it, unfortunately, it has become a competition. I mean, I hear women constantly one-upping their busy life with their friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, even strangers when they're standing in line. It is so ridiculous because being busy is not a competition. At least it's not a competition that I would want to win. I mean, look at the prizes. They're horrible. Stress, anxiety, addiction, depression, an entire host of diseases you know brought about by as as you saw lack of sleep, lack of nutrition, dehydration, then there's the mental and emotional challenges and ruined relationships. And it also triggers the ego in a huge way. You know, I mean people think, "Well, I'm busy, therefore I'm more important than you." And no one's more important than anyone else. But what ceases to amaze me is the it's not happening to me syndrome. Women will not admit that they're overextending themselves. I mean, my biggest The most popular response I get is, I don't know how to say no, and I have to do it all. And this is their war cry. I can do it all, and I can do it all well. And that's so far from the truth. So your book, when I read it, it provides information for women that will help them get off that roller coaster ride. That's become their life. It's their belief system. They have to do all these things. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it started, and I don't know why people believe that they have to do everything and do it well and be 100% because it's impossible to be the best mom and the best worker. You cannot possibly be 100% of both. You can't. And people tell me, but I am. And I say, no, somewhere in your life something is is faltering. There is somebody that's missing out. It's usually the kids because they're getting the rewards at work in ways of promotions and raises, but you don't get that with your kids. And they'll send people – You know, to go in their absence, Well, go to my kids competition, I have to work. It's not the same. So they might be thinking that they're giving 100% when they're really giving, say, 75. And when that horror hits them in the face, it can really take people down. I mean, really far to the point of serious depression. So as I was reading your book and, and a lot of the stories in it, I really appreciated the fact that these people were so honest about what was lacking and where they did falter. How did you find these people? Were these all your clients?
0: Oh, yes. Yes, they are my clients, but their story is very much uh, resonates with many of us, all of us probably, but certainly within the book, you're going to find that story that you're going to go, ah, that's me as well. And uh, you know that, when, when we open our mind to uh, solutions, then we become – we put ourselves into a place that we can be more open and vulnerable. And I'm sure you found this in your practice that when you're working with a client, uh, we have to – it's important that we create that – not only that safe, safe harbor, we build that rapport, then we allow them to be in a space – they are in a space where they can feel vulnerable. So they were very open with me in that environment. Um, And you brought up a lot of reasons so that we you know, ways that the uh, repercussions of busy. And you mentioned first the the competition, the one-upping. So I think what happens is, I think what's happened over a period of time is that I don't I don't believe there's any malintent for the most part with, with what has occurred with this busy culture that we have. And if we just were to back up to see kind of how we got here, because I think it's important to know how we got here so we can get out of it. Um, busy has that allure. There's a seduction to it. If I'm busy, I'm important. And that gets set up for a couple different reasons. Where we are now in this busy culture, if you and I are sharing the same social circle, we live in the same area, we're at the same events, you're busy. For me to be a part of that group, to come into that group, I'm going to pick up that pace to be a part of that group. That's my reference group. That's how I'm going to stay in, be um, be meaningful within the group, and fit in. And we all want to connect. That's just as human beings, that's what we desire to do. It's an important part of who we are. We're social creatures. So this busy pace, this is how we now are on this treadmill of busy. What's interesting about that, T, is if we back up, uh, we go back 40 years, when the leisure class, when we had what we called the leisure class, if you've made it and you are successful, then you have time to take time off. And we have turned that whole status symbol of leisure time on its head, and now busy has become that new status symbol. It, if you're busy, you're in high demand, and high demand means important. And hard, in a country that hard work says success, we have piled on this busy 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 and it's become it's gone from a habit to a culture it's how we fit in now and technology has yeah. a tremendous amount to do with this as does our oh, yes. connection from nature so you can see how this comparison game can get set up through technology and just keeps on going
1: yeah the compare the social media facebook twitter instagram uh, pinterest uh, I don't know what these things are because I don't do social media. I refuse. And I'm just like, no, I'm not going to be part of that. I don't want to be that accessible to anyone. And I see the stress that it puts on people. I mean, it is horrendous. It is horrible to see people suffering. They're literally suffering because, oh, they put this on Facebook. That means they're doing this. I have to do better now. And I've oftentimes told people, I got this from one of my patients. She said to me, it's not Facebook, you know. And I said, oh, I thought it was. What is it? Because I don't really do social media. So I really thought she was correcting me. She said, no, I call it fake book. And I said, oh, my God, that's so good. That is so good. It is fake book. Because a lot of the things that are on there are just not. How do you live up to not to, to not real? It's like the models in magazines. Those pictures have been Photoshopped from here till Tuesday. So, you know, you don't have to look like that. Nor do you have to compete with the people on Facebook who are your quote-unquote friends. I mean, you know Beyonce doesn't have 50 million friends. Everybody says, oh look how many friends she has. She doesn't have that many friends. She's not inviting them all to Thanksgiving dinner, okay? <laughs> how many friends do you really have? <laughs> and that's what it comes down to: is where are your social, where are your social ties? Where are you networking with people who really mean something to heart to heart? And that's I think what what gets me the most about social media. So I agree with you completely. Uh, technology has taken people way 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 over the edge and it's a sad state of affairs but that is a big contributor to why we're so busy because although people have been told it will help you it helps you be busier it doesn't necessarily help you be more efficient
0: well technology I live right in the middle of Silicon Valley so I've got Google down the street and Facebook around the corner (laughs) And I just want to say that technology has brought some amazing, amazing things into our world. I mean, we would not have the mm-hmm. medical advances if, we, if it weren't for technology that we have today. And we certainly wouldn't be able to mobilize uh, social movements uh, if it weren't for technology. So those are just some, a few of the good things that come from it. But when I'm well, talking about yeah, technology, everything I'm talking stopped. about when it seeps into our lives in a way exactly. where it's, it's come in so quickly and it has a very strong addictive quality to it. So what happen is it's like walking into the candy store and somebody saying you can have it all and so of course we're going to take it all but what we don't have on that are some really good structures and boundaries around it and because of that addictive quality we get pulled into it so i think what will happen over a period of time as we become as you know awareness cannot be undone and as we become more aware of the implications that come from uh, overusing technology, then we will start to establish on our own, within our own home, within our own communities, at work, so on and so forth, we'll probably start to establish a little bit better uh, monitoring around this and some good healthy boundaries. What's important, though, is that it's here, it's not going anywhere, and we have to be mindful of that. And as we move forward, certainly if you're raising children or you've got people you're mentoring, uh, having this knowledge and information is an important thing to share, not in a judgy kind of a way, but in an informational way for one's wellness and health.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. Technology is great. You know, nuclear power is great when it's used for positive. But when you start using things for negative or they become negative because it's interfering too much in your life, that's when it's not good. And so many people, I mean, there's so much research right now on uh, so many different names of these. These addictions, you know, uh, computer addiction, Internet addiction. Uh, Some people even call it the Google syndrome. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy because so many people are so tied to everything. They literally can't pull themselves away. I've had to ask people to make sure you take whatever gadget you're working on and just stop at like 8 o'clock at night. Just stop. Stop looking at it. You don't need to see it. The cones in the back of your eyes will not allow you to sleep properly because you're looking at screens before you go to sleep. You should not do that to yourself. You need to allow yourself a break. If you don't rejuvenate, you're not going to feel better. And it's really, it's just, I just find it to be so sad that the logic of what these things are doing, that people, they kind of bypass it because they're so into just being so busy and being a part of the culture instead of sitting back and saying, well, how can I live my life, be part of the culture and not feed into this and be what everybody else is doing and live a little bit you know more relaxed and a little bit more peaceful and calm I mean I've been teaching mindfulness and awareness for over 30 years and people just that's something that needs to be started in schools so when I look at your book and I see yeah okay this is something that an adult could read right now but there's no reason in the world why these techniques couldn't be brought into say a high school setting so that because these kids are They're being brought up in this, and they're doing it too. And if we nip it in the bud and stop it there, it will help to turn things around so that there is a balance. Because right now, the pendulum is swinging so far one way, it's going to take quite a while to get back. And we need to start doing that. So I applaud you for writing your book and giving tools to people to be able to come back to a sense of balance, to a center where it's not going to interfere with their life as much as it is now. Because for me, in my practice, this is like the number one thing that I hear from people. I'm overwhelmed. Is that what you hear for the most part with what you do?
0: Well, I think right now in our culture, T, we are, many people are feeling overwhelmed. And it is because of many reasons. And we have Mm. a, a very fast pace, of course, within our culture. Uh, We've already touched on technology that has something, obviously, a lot to do with it, and once we get into this busy culture and we develop these habits that become more and more every day, busyness doesn't just stay within a bubble. It trickles out and ripples out and affects all of those that we share our lives with. Uh, when you speak about mindfulness in schools, that's one of the, be- you know, again, here we go. This is one of the things that have come from, that's a positive that have come from this awareness of the effects that we can ha- that come to us with, with such a busy culture. And now we're seeing, certainly in L.A., in the area that I live in and across the country, they now have mindfulness programs. You can train to be a mindfulness teacher. That's certainly one way to incorporate it in. Um, I teach mindfulness in corporations, individuals, nonprofits. So it is circling into a larger realm because there is such a need for it. However, it begins within the person. And if you're a parent, it begins at home. So mindfulness Mm -hmm. is just being aware of your environment around you, what your body is saying to you, and the sensations and what you sound, the sounds, and what you hear. So it's just being aware of that. And if we have a pra- and it's a practice. So if we practice a sense of mindfulness, and there's several of them in the book that you can practice that are quick and easy, uh, when we begin to practice that, you know, what we practice grows strong. If we practice being busy, we get really good at it. If we practice hmm. being stressed out in certain situations, we're going to get really good at that. If we practice mindfulness, We will get really good at it. And it doesn't have to be something you sit down and hum for an hour. It can be from one minute, three minutes, whatever it is, because this is about making small shifts so that you can move forward into living a life in a way that you want. You want to bring into your life. You want to feel a certain way. Then we have to begin one step at a time to move in that direction. So I always ask ask a client, what do you want? And what do you need to get to that want? And that's a very important piece. And even more important, the next question would be, how will you know when you have what you want? What will change? And when we pose these questions and we begin to think about that, gee, yeah, I I don't want this busy life. It has affected me in this way. And then we can start to pull back one at a time. Because if we make the decision to bring a shift into our lives, if we try to do everything all at once, it just becomes something else we have to do. And that will keep us from doing it. That will keep us from being that. That will keep us from feeling that. So we have to look at this as a lifestyle shift and getting to a space and a place of feeling the best that you can as often as possible.
1: Yeah, if you start to do too much, it's just more overwhelm. It just doesn't work. I've seen people try to do that, too, and say, no, one step at a time, please. Let's just, you know, how how do you do this? You have to do it in small increments so that it's not creating more, more overwhelm for them. And busyness, although it is part of our culture, both for men and for women, you primarily focus on women. Why do you yes. do that?
0: Yes and you're right it's a it's a culture and affects all of us and we can certainly take some pages from men's playbooks as they can ours However, there's a few really concrete reasons why it affects women so much more. Um, We can look at the economics of this. Women make make average Mm. 80 cents on the dollar compared to men, and if you're a woman of color, that drops down to about 63 cents. Uh, 80% of the the what's called non-paid work is performed by women. These are all the things that we do to be able to make the life go, the appointments, the schedules, everything. And that's still done by 80% of the women. However, we have two-thirds of women in the workplace that have school-aged children. So we are doing the work outside of the home. We're doing the work inside of the home. And even if you don't have children, you're the most likely one to care for an aging parent or ill sibling. So we can see how this is adjusted on just on a strictly economics level that it affects women so much more. So, and my practice at the time was primarily women, it still is, but much more corporations now. And I was starting to see this trend. You know, on average, men take about 15% more leisure each week. So this is something we can learn from them. And in my years of practice, I've never heard uh, a, a male client come in and say, I feel <laughs> so guilty about going to the golf course for four hours on Saturday. And good for them. They shouldn't feel they, – they don't have to feel guilty. And this is something that we can adopt within our own lifestyle, that caring for oneself and taking care of oneself first. And I don't mean in, not in a way of not being helpful to others. I mean really – Caring for yourself on a self-healing basis, your wellness. If we do that first, then we can sustain the lifestyle and be of service, be of joyful service even to the ones we love. So this is why it's so important. So when we said as women that we want it all, we can have it all, and we still hear it all the time on on TV and programs and written uh, media. Yes, we can have it all. We got it all. We got the career. We got that down pretty well. We've got the family life. We do that really well, but we forgot the third piece of having it all, and that is self-care, and that's the biggest piece that's missing. So it's this imbalance between obligation and expectation and the lack of personal replenishment, and that's what sets us up as overscheduled women.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, You know, this is too much. I need help with this. I remember asking one patient, why don't you talk to your husband and ask him for some help? And she says, oh, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I said, according to whom? I mean, really, you know, you have to ask for help because you won't be 100% in everything. You're going to wear yourself out. And do you really, you know, you can kill yourself doing that. Do you really want your children to be calling someone else mom? And when she heard that, she understood because she was just in such a bad place. And she, it wasn't just cognitive behavioral therapy. It was the disease she was carrying around with her that she manifested from exhaustion and doing too much. And yeah, you can have it all, but you have to be, you have to be willing to take on some help. And I think that people have trouble with that.
0: Well, the great Gloria Steinem said you can't have it all if you have to do it all. So we have to remember right. that, that there has to be boundaries around this. And, and you bring up a really good point. I think women, and I'm going to paint with a broad brush right now, you know, we we are the nurturers. We go way back to our ancestry. Mm-hmm. We were the ones that were going to make sure that the generations moved forward. Yes, the men went out and hunted, but the women were the ones that nurtured and cared on a daily basis for the generations coming forward. That's within us doesn't mean that we can't change that. It just means that it's a piece there. And I, quite frankly, as an individual, as a woman, I appreciate that part of me. I think that women can be strong and soft. I think that we can be gentle mm-hmm. and assertive. So I don't think we need to give that up to be a, a, com- a complete, however we define it, woman. But you brought up this point about this asking for help, and I think what happens is many of us forget that our overly helpful nature may be preventing others from taking on the helping role. And what happens when we do that? We take away that experience That is so vital, especially, again, if you're raising children or if you're mentoring someone. It's so vital to have that experience, to go beyond and outside of yourself, to be of help to someone else. And you are in the giving mode. You're in the giving position. If we are constantly in that position of doing things for others and not asking for help, and I call that in the book the artful ask, then we take away that beautiful experience from someone else to be able to, at the end of that exchange, be able to have that feeling. That feels great. I was of service. I helped this person. And it feels really good to give yourself a pat on the back to be able to do that. So if for no other reason, consider that give and take equation in life. It's important to give. It's also important to receive because in doing so, we allow others to be in the giving position.
1: And I hope everyone really listened to that because so many times people think that if they ask for help, it's a sign of weakness and it most certainly is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to say, you know, I need help with this because I can't do it all on my own. So, you know, if we want to do more things, we need to have more people helping, you know, you can't move a mountain by yourself. You have to have help with it. But so many women feel like they can't. They can't be vulnerable or they can't show any vulnerability because to them it is weakness and they don't want to ask for that. And, you know, that's really sad. It's it's just so many kinds of wrong that they can't figure out how to ask, you know, please help me with this. They might ask a very close friend, but they won't bring it up as a nobody wants to admit that they're overscheduled. And in your book, you actually have um, a couple of different types of overscheduled women. So why don't you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah. So what I talk about in the, you know, in the overscheduled woman again, she's that get it done attitude, and she frequently will opt out of doing something for herself when someone else close to her requests her time. So she puts herself in the optional column, and uh, and she's last most of the time. So her wellness, her self wellness, becomes optional rather than essential. And in the book, I talk about uh, four different types of excuse me five different types i have the one which is the time optimist she's the one that says oh i can i have time to do one more thing and she is Mm. constantly at deadline and still not getting things done because she keeps piling things on her plate and therefore she never has that real good sense of being in a quiet place emotionally and mentally she's always kind of in that frantic mode um she's very well intended And she also some of her traps that she gets herself into is being you know, again, going back to what you said earlier, being all to everybody and then also keeping up. So uh, the next one that I, I find really interesting is the pleaser. And very often, this affects a lot of women, this idea that we have to be the pleaser, we have to make sure that everything is okay, and that we are going to continue to make sure that everybody gets what they need when they need it. And again, she'll put herself in the in the last bit of the day. So she's the one to call in a crunch. She's generous, always willing to help. She's dependable and prides herself on her I can attitude. So she spends... This is the downside of it is she spends a lot of time doing things for other people. And in the process, she finds it difficult to allow others to do things for her. So one of her solutions would not only be the um, artful ask. It would also be to learn the healthy no. And then on the other end of the spectrum would be the alpha. And the alpha is a natural leader just a magnetic personality she's a strong uh, communicator highly motivated and confident with her character she does not like to fail and this can often drive her to be overly competitive and overly aggressive and when this happens she pushes this pushes other people away and really what she's desiring is that sense of being able to be vulnerable and be uh, being able to connect with others so balancing that there's nothing wrong with being competitive or aggressive but being overly so will push others away. So she just needs to lighten up on herself a bit and give herself a break. And a couple of other ones would be the sorority sister and the perfectionist. So you might find different qualities and different characteristics in each of them. What I've done is I've given the solutions of getting out of that not only for practical solutions, but also for the mindful solutions that will uh, bring together your mindfulness and the practicality of making, and sh- making shifts in your life that can move you in a direction for more balance.
1: Yeah, and there are a lot of overlaps within each one when you think about it. But I think probably the pleaser is the most popular, can I put it that way? That's probably the most popular one out there. Do you think so?
0: Yeah, I have found that to be quite prevalent. And also the perfectionist, you know, highly driven, accomplishes numerous goals, methodical, detailed detailed oriented, and her perfectionistic uh, tendencies can often dominate several, if it dominates several significant areas of her life. Um, Often this is rooted in a fear of failure and can lead to the frustration and even depression, and can negatively impact her relationships uh, and her ability to excel. So it's again, it's pulling back and knowing that we're, it's not about perfection, it's not about being perfect, it's about progress. And she she struggles with vulnerability uh, because that heightens her fear of losing control. So again, that's that has a tendency to be a real prevalent one as well because this idea of we talked about earlier of comparison and competition just amplifies. This tendency already built in to her for being perfect don't let everybody see the cracks don't miss an appointment don't you know don't do anything less than perfect and really we know there's there's never going to be perfection, so she just needs
2: to again mm-hmm.
0: lighten up on herself and and uh, practice something I call sparkling vulnerability and giving herself permission to lessen what she 's doing so that she could be more of who she is
1: and the worst part probably is that when Women are really, really busy, and they're successful at it from the outside. Many other women who might not feel like they're successful from the outside, even though others may think that, become jealous. And then they don't want to talk to these people. They kind of push them out of their group if they're you know, friendly or whatever. I mean, I've seen this happen a lot. And it's it's really awful to see that because both women – don't realize that from the outside they're looking perfect to each other but they're it's almost like they're competing from within and because they don't feel like they're good enough
0: do you know what i mean yeah i think the sense of um not being enough is certainly uh, i you probably hear it a lot in your practice i do as well and i what i remind my clients is that if we're always looking outward we will not take the time mm-hmm. or the attention look within we can't change anything out and around us and often people that might experience a sense of jealousy or a competition, you know, that those are the people that we have to be most open-hearted to because that's probably coming from a place for them where they don't feel as though they're measuring up, they don't feel as though they're good enough, whatever it might be. And you would be surprised that in, it, in initially in a, in a relationship, a social relationship, let's say, where you've got a group and someone you might sense that they feel jealous, well, you know, the more you focus on that, the more that that's going to be, where the energy is going to start to exist within the two of you mm-hmm. and I always try to move my client out of that mindset into continuing to develop herself from within and being more mindful of that and also being compassionate and compassion starts with self-compassion first and then being compassionate to others. So again, you know, people that experience that feelings of jealousy, it's it's really coming from a place that we can really offer some compassion and tenderness towards them.
1: Yeah, because most of the time they do feel like they're not good enough, and that's why they have that, you know. Now, you are a Neurolinguistic Programming Master Practitioner, NLP. So for those who are not familiar with that, would you please tell us what that
0: is? Yes. So neurolinguistics uh, programming is really a variety of techniques for improving communication and personal growth. So we really focus on not only the words that we speak, but the messages we have uh, in our own, between our own ears. So the neuro refers to the neurology of how we process our experiences via our senses. And the linguistics, of course, refers to the language we use to communicate those experiences. And what happens is we apply meaning To the information that we bring in we have to we have to have some meaning to it so that we can communicate it not only to ourselves how to others to the outside world so the programming is how we communicate that information to ourselves and others to achieve our goals so the results are strategies for what we do and what we want to create and often often things that we don't want to create so what i found is that using nlp is even more Is more practical and more potent when I blend it with the mindfulness practices, such as meditation and positive visualization. So that's what I've done in the book, is I've blended those three together.
1: And so the role that NLP plays in the solutions you offer, can you give us an example
0: of one? Yes. So for instance, uh, the the main solution, or excuse me, what I call one of the essentials. Well, there's two essentials: the three minute meditation. And then the five, what I call the super solutions, which has five steps in it. So this would be uh, an example of neurolinguistics, how I've unwrapped it and put it with the mindfulness practices. So it starts out with what I call a direct thinking method, and that helps activate, um, you know, your powerful conscious thinking. And then I use another technique called whittling. These are the techniques that I've incorporated into this process. And whittling is a way to get very clear on what it is that you're trying to communicate to yourself and to someone else. So it's, it's just really developing a very well-formed statement. So in the five-step solution, we would state the problem, and then we would flip that into a statement that's going to be our solution. And then we're going to spotlight it. So this is what gives life to that flip statement. The flip statement is kind of the first draft of your story, and your flip statement is the title. So using intention and attention, we spotlight this, and that's where – this process of NLP is taking and extracting a piece of another bigger process in NLP and plopping it into this mindful practice. And that is you are going to literally create the story of what you want to be. So if you're facing a difficult situation, you come up with your solution for that. Let's say you're going into a meeting and you have a presentation and you've come up with the solution of how you're going to feel what you're going to not only what you're going to say, but how you're going to feel, how you're going to stand, where you're going to stand within that room, and if you don't have a visual of that room, you create it within yourself, and you walk yourself mentally through that entire situation as though it's happening in real time. So this is a piece of a technique that comes from NLP that I've layered on the mindfulness into it, and uh, from there, and we do this a lot in performance-based. Um, visualization as well we go ahead and we have the performance and the activity called let's use basketball for an example of shooting the basket and going in the basket each time and we use this in this spotlighting technique in this super solution process that i'm talking about right now and then we do what i call a mindful checkpoint and that's what we when i incorporate the sensing meditation which is that again that really creating that story and the fifth step is your outcome statement and that will give you your outcome of what you're going to move forward, kind of a mantra, if you will. And that's in that very well-designed statement that you're going to carry forward now with your solution. So you've not only whittled it down to the essence of what you need it to be, you've meditated it, you've walked through it as though it's already happened, you've checked in with that, and then you've got an outcome statement, which is very much like a mantra. So you've worked through this quite quickly.
1: Very quickly, yes. Yeah, that's a great way to do it, too. And once you do that, I mean, when people visualize, it's already done. It's just a matter of it coming in to full manifestation at that point. But I think people don't realize that either. And and using sports is a great analogy. They've been doing it for years. Just visualize it. Just visualize it. Just visualize it. And and they do it, and it's amazing. But it, it always works that way. Now, for someone who has not yet read your book, for someone who doesn't know where to begin, is there one thing that they could do right now that would start getting them out of their overscheduled life that you would recommend, a simple thing that they could do?
0: Oh, Thank you, T, for asking that question. (laughs) Yes, and I'm Mm -hmm. going to start off with the three-minute meditation, and why is that so important? Why are you asking me to, med- I always get this, I don't have time to meditate. I'm coming to, you to get out of my busy habits, and now you're telling me to do something else. And I always say, every one of us, on average, spends 20 minutes a day looking for things we've misplaced. So we have the time. We also spend an average yep. of five hours on our phone every day. So we have the time. What I ask them is, what do you want? You came to me and you want to be able to make these shifts, so I'm going to give you the first step to making those shifts, and this will last a lifetime. You don't need to make any financial investment in it. It's not something you have to go out and buy or find or seek or borrow. It's within you right now, and that is the ability to quiet yourself down. Just breathe. So what happens when we take a deep breath? We stimulate what's called the vagus nerve. And we know when this happens, it triggers the nervous system to slow the heart rate, lower the blood pressure, and decrease our cortisol. So right there, you've already made a step in the right direction. When we have cortisol pumping through our body that has been brought in through stress and anxiety, our prefrontal cortex of our brain cannot think clearly. Now this is a part of your brain That manages complex processing like reasoning, like logic, like problem solving, and memory. So if you can improve your problem solving and your planning, by the way, and your memory, you're going to start to reduce mistakes and you're also going to start to manage the actual physical, practical part of your day. So that's a great decrease in the busyness. You're going to be able to make more clear decisions. So three minutes. And to start with, just breathe. And then... Ask yourself, what do I want? And you may not have an answer for that, and that's okay. Posing the question will let that go in there and percolate, mind marinate, and start to make make its way through your brain, and you'll be amazed at what will begin to happen. That's why I call it meditation magic. You'll start to move in the direction of what you want rather than being distracted and sidetracked by the fear, the anxiety, the frustration of what you don't want.
1: It's so funny because sometimes I tell people basically the same thing. I'll say, you don't have time not to meditate. Do you know how much time you will pick up if you just meditate for three minutes a day and how much easier things will come to you if you do that? And then I'll, Go through an explanation, and I remember one woman saying to me, "You know, you asked me what it is that I wanted, and I told you." And she said, "That's not what I want." And I said, "Well, what do you want?" She goes, "I don't know." All of a sudden, I'm doing this now, and she explained to me what she, what was happening to her. And I said, "Well, see," she goes, "I didn't even know I wanted it." And I said, "Well, that's because you were so resistant to it, because you were so overwhelmed with everything, you weren't allowing yourself to be open to receive the messages you needed to get to figure out what you really wanted that would make
0: you happy." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we have to create space. Somebody asked me once, uh, well, what do you mean by create space? That's all I hear now. Mm. It seems to be the buzzword. Create space is another way of saying create boundaries, and boundaries aren't about keeping others out. Well, they can be, but boundaries typically aren't about keeping others out. They're about creating space, clearing space, literally. I mean, we we when you say create space in a room, we know what that means. It means we move everything into a reasonable organized manner well we're doing the same thing when we create space within our mind and our body and i always say boundaries are like handrails on a staircase everyone feels better when they're there so creating this space within your mind and your brain and your body is a way that you can now start to see the solutions how can you see anything in a room that's messy and crowded think of your brain the same way
1: right and if you know if if everybody out there went and got breaking up with busy and started doing just some of the tech, you don't have to do everything that's in here. Just start with one and see what a difference it makes in your life. You will find that every aspect of your life changes because it's not just one thing that changes. It trickles into and dominoes throughout everything that's going on. And you'll find more things coming to you and you'll want to do more. And when I say you'll want to do more, I don't mean you'll want to do more to be busy. You'll want to do more for yourself So that you'll be able to see how your life can be and you will everything will flow when things are going the way that they should, and you're not overwhelmed. And yes, there will be challenges, but everything still goes in a flow, it's a lot more relaxed and easier. And I think that's what your book creates for people. And what have you heard from people who have read it and and done the actual work that you've offered in your book?
0: yeah well, the feedback you know when you write a book about breaking up with busy, you have to make it in a way where it makes sense on a practical level so i set the I set it up where it has done that um you know once you identify with uh the different type and you can get those breakout solutions and you just and you identify the traps that are kind of holding you in there, and I give you the quick breakout solutions. One at a time, you know, you've got your busy busting solutions and then you've got your reset your mindset, which is extremely important because when we talk about flow, when we get what's going on between the ears in a manner that flows, then everything else will flow. But it begins between the ears. This is not about things that we're doing. It's the things that we're thinking that gets us into this busy mindset. Now, that works for some people to begin right there with the mindset first and then go into the practical solutions or some others or vice versa so that's why I offer both and then and what I've gotten from people is they can open any page in the book and there's mm-hmm. a nugget and and I can practice that and then of course the last chapter is 52 reminders and refreshers that you can open up at the beginning of your week and again it will set your mindset for the week like for instance one of them is adopt a latitude attitude so it's one of those things you know if you've ever noticed the mood that you instantaneously shift into when you start talking about a vacation. Well, we don't have to go somewhere to have that that mindset. We can have a we can create that latitude attitude anywhere. Pick out a day of the week that you're going to take the mental pressure off yourself and create a mini vacation. It could be as simple as taking yourself out to lunch or going for a beautiful walk in the afternoon. Get creative and think about something that's going to give you that mindset to look forward to something. So each one of these 52, one for each week of the year, can help you continue not only to stay on your path of breaking up with busy, but it can also give you new solutions and ways of creating that lifestyle that you really want.
1: I think this is a great book that people would be able to gain an awful lot of information from and really shift their lives relatively quickly. You know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. But when you have, when you set your mind to do something and you want to really, really make a shift, you need the tools to do that. And this book actually has all the tools that you need. So if you got it, you know, you could just look at it and follow through. And it's not – this is not – an academic book. This is not a long book. It's only about 180 pages or something. And uh, so it's, very, it's a quick read. Of course, I'm reading it for the show. I'm not, you know, I'm not reading it to do anything. So you will want to stop along the way. But still, it's not a long book. It's easy to read. The things to do are easy. And some are simple. Some might be a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, I can see where some of the questions being asked, someone might have difficulty answering. But that's good, because now you have to think. And you yeah. have to figure things out so that you can move forward. So I really yeah. like the way it was written. I, you, know, that was, you did a great job writing it in, that, in a manner in which anyone can pick it up. And I was going to say, when you said you can pick it up and open a page to anywhere, it's so true. Typically when that happens, that's what you need for that moment.
0: So I can use it.
1: Yet. Yeah. Yeah. It happens all the time, right? You pick something up, and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. I needed to hear that. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, but, um, very true. <laughs> well, we are, we are almost out of time, Yvonne, but before we go would you, please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you, your work and your availability for, um, to speak with people or where they can get the book.
0: Yes. Well, my website is YvonneTalley.com, and that's Y-V-O-N-N-E-T-A-L-L-Y. And everything on there that you would need to know about me is there. I also have an online workshop that begins the uh, beginning of August. So with the purchase of book, you actually get access to that workshop at no cost. And the book is available online, all the big ones, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of them in bookstores as well.
1: Wow, and they're going to get a free um, workshop with the book if they buy it now. So the timing is perfect for this show. You, you know, Get it within the next two weeks, and you'll be able to participate in that, which I'm sure is going to be really beneficial to having the book because you'll be able to hear. Uh, sometimes it's it's nice to actually hear a voice instead of just read the book, so they're getting two for one in this. So do that, listeners. Um, I can't thank you enough for being on the show with us, Yvonne. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Thank you. It was my pleasure, T.
1: Okay. All right, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Please check out Soji Heggel's Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. You'll learn about our fundraising campaigns, and you can see exactly where the money goes and how it helps kids in need. So at Soji Huggles, we are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. And thank you for taking time to visit our website, sojihuggles.org. Don't forget to follow me on both Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio, and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
2: I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place. When I remember how